0: After thinking for a moment, Eric replied, My concern is that I may not be realizing my fullest potential as a leader. I'd like to become a more effective mentor to the leaders working for me by revitalizing my thinking about my own leadership development. Welcome to Create New Futures. Thought-provoking conversations with leaders, experts, and interesting minds. Join us as we explore ideas and reflect on practices that you can use and apply to create and shape the future. With your host, author, and strategy consultant, Aviv Shahar. Welcome to a new episode of Create New Futures. And this one is titled Leadership Development The Fifth Approach. In this episode, you will learn about the four generally recognized paths to leadership development and discover a fifth approach. This approach was fashioned initially during a conversation with my client Eric when we were five months into our trusted advisory work. A trusted advisory collaboration can be a highly rewarding experience. Typically, it incorporates a broad range of elements, including executive coaching to increase leadership impact, focused consulting on business and organizational opportunities, acting as a soundboard on a whole range of professional and personal topics, and the employment of a wide range of modalities designed to boost self-awareness, expand the range of opportunities, and drive efficacious action. Most importantly, such a relationship develops in the crucible of trust. It is critical that the CEO believes that I have no agenda and no interest other than his or her development and actualized success. What enables this collaboration to be liberating for the client is that I am free. I'm not dependent on the work. That fact makes my coaching advice even more valuable because clients know they can trust me deeply to tell them objectively what I see and think, and when necessary, to be brutally honest by delivering tough news and a contrarian point of view. To be effective, a trusted advisor must strike a masterful and graceful balance between the possible contradiction of being passionately focused on the client's success and while retaining the objectivity of a dispassionate observer. What's on your mind, I asked Eric to begin the conversation. After thinking for a moment, Eric replied, My concern is that I may not be realizing my fullest potential as a leader. I'd like to become a more effective mentor to the leaders working for me by revitalizing my thinking about my own leadership development. How do you suggest I approach this exploration in a novel way? This is a delicious inquiry, Eric, I responded. Its beauty arises in the fact that you are exploring this inquiry not because something is broken about your leadership. To the contrary... You are successful and your team is managing and executing well. Your concern is not a problem triggering inquiry, but one driven by your desire to reach for more. Am I reading you correctly? Eric chuckled affirmingly and said, Well, yes, you're absolutely right. During the last decade, I reflected deeply on abundance versus scarcity-based behavior. I believe it is my responsibility to my team to realize my fullest potential to lead. I'm not pretending to have transcended my ego. In fact, I'm motivated and propelled by a sense of pride in not leaving any stone unturned as I explore my development opportunities. Eric's words were inspiring and I replied, That's awesome. Right there you have identified a key point. The propelling reason of an inquiry defines its potentiating energy and therefore its reach and its development capacity. When an obstacle or a problem catalyzes movement, you are forever looking backward unless you recast your focus and energy. In contrast, by definition. The impulse to realize your fullest potential is a future-bound inquiry. Curiously, that's also part of my conundrum. It is much easier to go after a defined problem than to address a situation in which I don't know what I don't know. That is why I wonder how to approach this next development phase from a new place or in a novel way. Yes, exactly, Eric, as we've discovered through our collaboration, certain inquiries are served best by asking why and by looking more deeply inside rather than by remaining on a superficial level. Other explorations are best served by charging forward into experimentation. In this case, my instinct is that the inquiry will be served best by first sketching a map of the leadership development terrain that integrates the four major approaches. This sounds right, said Eric. So what have you got for me? Okay, let's do something ambitious, I said. Many approaches to leadership development have evolved over the last six decades. With a little bit of chutzpah and audacity, we can create a high-altitude framework That includes a broad cross-section of leadership development modalities by categorizing four main focuses in a two-by-two matrix. Call this the Unified Field Theory of Leadership Development, just to raise the bar and the challenge for me. And these will include a broad cross-section of the leadership development modalities available. I then will offer a fifth approach by integrating those four in a way that meets your needs and aspirations. I'm intrigued, Eric said. Enough with the suspense. Let's get to it. Two of the leadership development quadrants are inside-out approaches, and two are outside-in. Let's start with this basic diagram. Sketching in front of Eric these four quadrants for the four approaches to leadership development, I named the left two quadrants inside-out and the right two quadrants outside in. I proceeded to name the lower left quadrant skills. Numerous approaches to leadership development look at a given role, such as supervisor, manager, or director, from the standpoint of its necessary tasks. The idea is to reverse engineer the skills and competencies required to complete these tasks successfully. The result is a skills and competencies framework that must be mastered. The premise of this development approach is that by mastering the skills defined by the role's tasks, you will be able to do well and even excel in it. And the skills-centered approach to leadership development has several advantages. For example... Many companies rely on a robust competencies and skills framework accompanied by training programs to develop their leaders' skills. A core element of the skills-based approach is the belief that organizations should be able to train their people in each of the required skills. The fact that this approach is heavily tilted to training interventions is both its strength and its weakness. So, that is the first quadrant, the lower left quadrant defined by skills. Let's call the upper right quadrant situations. In contrast to the lower left approach in which we develop specific skills, in this quadrant we develop the capacity to respond to a range of situations. Situational leadership was developed in 1969 by Paul Hersey and Ken Blanchard as a life cycle theory of leadership. Its premise is that there is no single best style of leadership. Instead, effective leaders adapt their style to the performance readiness of their individuals and teams. And that performance readiness is defined as an output of two factors – ability, and willingness. Those various styles are defined on their directive and supportive vectors to show a process that cycles through directing, coaching, supporting, and delegating. The thinking underlying this approach is that people who take on new role initially need direction, then coaching, then support. Once they demonstrate mastery and motivation, delegating will empower them to become successful. Implicit in this approach is the idea that managers first must identify and diagnose accurately the situation they enter inside the context of a journey so they can customize their leadership response accordingly. These two categories of leadership development – skills-based approach – and situational leadership were popularized over the last 60 years. The lower right quadrant is a more recent outside-in focus of leadership development, though it too can be traced to earlier versions. This lower right quadrant is called outcomes. The double premise of this approach to leadership development is that every role is defined by the outcomes it creates which in turn enable and support the company's business results and strategy. An earlier version of the outcomes approach to leadership development was management by objectives. A rigorous practice built around this methodology in recent decades was the OKR management approach, which centers on objectives and key results that enable and deliver the desired objectives. The pivot of this first premise of the outcome-based approach is the realization that your role is not defined by what you do. Rather, it is defined by the outcomes you create and the contributions you make. The critical factor of the second premise is that the outcomes you produce produce must offer a clear line of sight to how those outcomes enable the company's purpose and strategic goals. I have observed people struggle with this approach in two ways. First, they incorrectly use and frame inputs and outcomes interchangeably. Second, they confuse organizational level and business level outcomes. For example, simplifying processes can be an important organizational outcome to enable the business result of delighted and loyal customers. So we now have three quadrants covered. The lower left is skills-based approach to leadership development. The upper right quadrant is the situational leadership. And the lower right is the outcomes-based approach in leadership development. Now let's name the upper left quadrant Qualities. Perhaps the most ancient approach to leadership development, Qualities and Virtues-based development can be traced to the classic philosophers in ancient Greece, to the Stoics, and to leaders like Marcus Aurelius. My role model for the Qualities approach is Benjamin Franklin. Shortly after his 16th birthday, Franklin identified 13 virtues that he wanted to embody throughout his life. To do that, each week he picked one of these virtues and centered his life on it. Integrating it, applying it, thinking about it, and making that virtue part of his consciousness became his inside-out development strategy. At the beginning of the next week, he would turn his attention to the next virtue on his list. After 13 weeks, when he had focused on all the virtues on his list, he would go back and begin the process again. The result was that during the course of a year, Franklin spent four weeks living and breathing each of the 13 virtues. At the beginning of the next year, he repeated the process, a habit that he retained for the rest of his life. The extraordinary power Of an inward focusing development is that it becomes an evergreen source of refinement. For example, virtues such as order, sincerity, tranquility, and justice offer new development opportunities. This inside out focus on virtues you determine are important for you provides inexhaustible guidance, inspiration, and wisdom that enable you to deepen the living embodiment of expression of those qualities. So in summary, these are the four main approaches to the leadership development. A focus on skills in the lower left, situations in the upper right, outcomes in the lower right, and qualities in the upper left. By way of defining these approaches to leadership development, We would say that on the lower left we develop the leadership skills, on the upper right we develop situational leadership, on the lower right we develop outcomes-based leadership, and in the upper left we develop leadership qualities. And so as my conversation with Eric developed and after I painted those four approaches, it was natural and easy to propose that there is a fifth approach. And this fifth approach is to design your own personal evolution by embracing the potential and power of the four we just identified. And the way you would draw it is you'd simply paint those four quadrants and you will create a circle in the middle. And in that circle in the middle of the four quadrants, you want to write, design your own leadership evolution. And what this central zone, this middle space where you design your own leadership evolution represents, is the idea that at different times and circumstances, each of those four quadrants can move to the foreground and become central for you. And you will find that there is an in-breath, an out as you energize yourself and as you discover that at times you want to focus on your qualities as an inside-out development and at other times you will focus on outcomes and or on situations. To conclude my dialogue with Eric, I proposed that he design his own leadership evolution by reflecting on each of the four main approaches and answering the following questions. Here are two questions to reflect on in your skills quadrant. Which skills and competencies are most critical to my current and future roles? In which ones am I more proficient than others, and therefore I must lead, and which should I delegate or outsource? Question 2. What development opportunities are available for me? What new skills will I emphasize and develop? Here are two questions for your situational leadership quadrant. Number 3. What environments enable me to thrive? In what situations do I achieve their best results? And number four, what situational opportunities will I focus on? What situations require me to change my approach? And here are your two questions for the outcomes quadrant. Number five, what are the most critical outcomes I have produced? And what enabled me to create these results? Number six, what new outcomes will I create? And what will I do to produce these new results? Finally, the qualities quadrant, three questions to reflect on. Number seven, what are the qualities I value most in myself? Number eight, what qualities do I value most in others? Number nine, what qualities will I cultivate to further develop my aspirational character? By reflecting on these four development strategies... Eric was able to design his unique leadership path. Our trusted advisory collaboration continued as he embarked on his journey down that new road. Now it's your turn. Turn this key. Focus on designing your leadership development path. What skills, what situations, what outcomes, and what qualities will you make central to your leadership evolution? How will you coach your teams to take their leadership to a whole new level? I encourage you to take action today to unleash your and your team's potential by integrating these four modalities to create the fifth approach to leadership development.